I'm Beth Bruno, and you're listening to the Fierce and Lovely Podcast. This is a podcast for women who wonder how strength and weakness coexist, or how to bless both bravery and tenderness. For those longing to bring the fullness of their glory to the world without a chip on their shoulder. For those who have embraced a global sisterhood and left small storied lives behind. This is for you, the fierce and lovely women seeking the both and of a big storied life. Join me as I chat with fierce and lovely women around the world. In this episode, I talk with Tracy Johnson, founder and editor of the online magazine Red Tent Living and chief dreamer behind the Brave On Conference. We talk about leading out of brokenness and having the courage to show up at the table of women in spite of it. Join me in this interview with Tracy Johnson. Tracy Johnson, thank you so much for joining me on the Fierce and Lovely podcast. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I can't wait to chat with you. Um, And it's going to be a challenge for me to just stay focused because I could go in a thousand directions with you, Tracy. Because we never have anything to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Tracy's one of those people that I technically have known less than a year (laughs) face-to-face, but feel like I've known forever. So. Mm So fun to Same. chat with you today. Um, Tracy, can you just like tell tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, kind of how you would, would introduce yourself and describe yourself to someone? Uh, I would describe myself. Um, I am into my 50s. So shocking to say that. Um, I'm married to a pastor. Um, I would describe myself as um, an extroverted introvert. I would tell you (laughs) that I um, didn't really feel like I started to learn who I was significantly and and kind of understand what God had put me here to do um, until late into my 30s, probably. I'm a mom of five and, and the ages of my five, I think are reflective of what I just said in that I have three adult children, um, through college launched out of the house, um, ranging in age from 23 to 29. But then I have a 12 year old and a 14 year old also that were born after that time when I started, um, getting more intentional about my own story and about my own heart and learning more about um, who I am and what God has put me here to do. So I love women. I love words. I love stories. Um, I love to listen to them. I love to tell them. Um, And I um, love Jesus and believe wholeheartedly that he is far more wild than we give him credit for. Um, <laughs> and I, and those things shape how I live into my life. <laughs> you are a beautiful person. <laughs> and I wanted you on this podcast because I, when I think about fierce and lovely, you come to mind. And so let me just give some context for for what I picture when I am thinking of those two words. And we'll go back to more of who you are and even what you do in a second. But I think of fierce as this idea of us joining God, aligning with Him to come against the evils of the world, the injustices of the world. And I believe women do that in, in the way that we reflect His glory in us. And this idea of lovely is us joining with him to bring forth or create life and beauty in the world. And that women have been doing that 
throughout time and throughout the world because it's how we inherently reflect him mm-hmm. through us. And I think of those two words and Tracy Johnson comes to mind. Um, and we'll explore that a little bit more, but mm-hmm. your description even of yourself and how you would um, describe who you are, I think even gets to that. Mm-hmm. So Tracy, your five of those kids are girls, mm-hmm. which- Four. Four girls. I'm sorry. Four of the five are girls. And does, you know, of course, as you talk about loving women, you're raising four of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs> four unique um, women with strong voices of their own and mm-hmm. the, you know, definitely fierce so and true. lovely themselves. <laughs> <laughs> My curls do all have their voice. <laughs> And it's so, it's so funny when you say, you know, I have four girls because I grew up as the only girl. I just have one brother. Um, and, and I would tell you that such a huge part of my struggle, um, in growing up and especially like in my teens and in my twenties and is, would be this feeling that I did not belong at the table of women. Hmm. Um, that there was something broken in me that really um, sort of disqualified me or left me feeling like I was sitting at the table as an imposter. So I, I think part of the wildness of God is that he gave me four girls. Like (laughs) what the heck? (laughs) Who am I to be raising four, four girls, four women? And, um, I don't, I don't feel that same disqualification today, but I do continue to feel sort of stunned, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and even as you describe the, you know, your oldest three kids came in some ways before you, f- you fully embraced oh, your story. Absolutely. And then here you are entering into a new season, a, a completely reframed version of yourself and God gives you two more girls. Yes. Yes. Right. We should just, everybody laugh. We should all just laugh. (laughs) But what, what, what a confirmation that you do belong at the table. Not only Mm -hmm. do you belong at the table, you belong at the head of the table because Mm -hmm. you are leading the conversation Mm -hmm. with your daughters and with the women and the spaces that you've created. Yeah, I, again, I would just say, you know, I think that God is hilarious. So, (laughs) because I, there, I, I, that is true. And I want to receive those words. And there is still this part of me that sort of wants to push back. But, but that's true. Mm -hmm. That is true. And so for me, it's, uh, it, it is really out of a place of, of brokenness that I am, I am acutely aware of inside of me, despite all of what is really beautiful healing that has happened in my life. I sit at the table broken at the head of the table, leading my girls and really leading other women um, from the knowledge and understanding that I'm broken and Mm -hmm. I don't have it all figured out. <laughs> I think the best wisdom I have to bring is from that place of brokenness. Sure. Is there any other way in which to lead authentically, right? Yeah, I, I don't think so, but that feels I I think that we're maybe in a growing minority Beth, but I even for all the words words that are being written about vulnerability, um authenticity, integrity, um I think we are still really coming to understand what does that, what does that mean? Hmm. What does that really mean to, to lead um, and to believe that the most valuable things that we have to offer are, are from our brokenness. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think it's a great question. Mm-hmm. I was just this week, I was uh, sitting in the morning having my coffee on my back porch and I have a, like a liturgical, um, devotional that I read. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's in Psalm 51 where it talks about what's pleasing to God is a broken and contrite heart. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I found myself sort of digging in 
you know, to, to those words about brokenness. And, um, and there is nothing that I found in what I was reading that told me that this is a broken thing that he's going to heal. Hmm. I think that actually it's in our brokenness that we are most pleasing to him. And I would say that it's in our brokenness that we come to know him most deeply. Hmm. So why would we want that fixed? Hmm. Right. Instead of a, a fixing, it's more of a processing, digesting, and then integrating, right? It, it back into yeah. our story. Yeah. And, and I think just a sense like, what, what is that? even mean that my brokenness, my broken, and that word contrite, that's our English word for it. But really in the Hebrew, it's almost the same. It's, it's so similar to the word broken in that, Mm -hmm. in that verse, very, very similar. And so that's, what's pleasing to him. Hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. I think that that's what disqualifies me. I think we all tend to think, you know, this is the thing that, you know, people have to tolerate about me. This is the thing that I need to be really vulnerable about because, you know, I I need to be embraced here. And we use these words around it that I think really sort of sort of subtly leak um, that it's really not okay. Mm-hmm. And I think the invitation is, no, when I sit with God, this is what's most pleasing to him. Mm-hmm. He's not disappointed about my brokenness. Mm-hmm. He, right. It, it is, it, 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 and so, and so yes, digested, I think mostly maybe for me, for the, for the purpose only of understanding, um, I guess really like, so who, who am I? If this is what is pleasing to God and my, my, my embracing, my understanding of my coming to him from that all the time, instead of running from it, instead of trying to fix it, instead of trying to do something about it, it, this is just my entry point with him every single day and throughout the day because he's pleased. Which takes so much courage, doesn't it? Ah, yes. And oh my strength. Gosh. I mean, this, yeah. and it, that flips it on its head because we tend to think of all that you just described as weakness. And mm-hmm. truly, it is strength. Right. Yeah. yeah I, I think that it is. So you are leading, you are, a, you are leading in strength and courage out of brokenness. That, that, and all of those things coexist. And that's, you know, it's been part of my journey is, is realizing that strength and weakness can coexist, but maybe weakness isn't the right word, even though it's the one I've been using and wrote about (laughs) in my book, but you know, maybe that's not really what, what I'm getting at. Maybe it's this idea of being, being, being broken is being strong and it is being tender to, to the Lord and it's showing up in courage and. This both and, right, of life. It's not right. either or. It's it's both and. And that's what I think of with Fierce and Lovely. It's yes. it, we are both and um, mm-hmm. all the time. And in, in our decisions and in our, in our activities, those can both be true of us. Well, and, and so it feels, they feel sort of paradoxical, right? Right. Like they can't both be true. These things can't both be true. And yet, and yet they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about leading out of leading out of that space and the space in which you're leading. So let's hear a little bit more about what what you've created um, out of that journey, Tracy, and what you're leading uh, these days. Um, so I probably go back and say, you know, um, it, it was about a decade ago that. Um, that Mark and I were working in a church context and leading young adults, so 18 to 30-year-olds, and um, at a church in San Antonio. And one of my girls that I was uh, mentoring is probably the right word, um, asked me if I wanted to read this book, The Red Tent, with her. And I was like, sure. She said, I just want to read it. We'll talk about it. I'm like, okay. So we start reading this book, and um, 
And the book is is the story of the rape of uh, Jacob's daughter Dinah, and um, but it's so much more than that. So, but that's kind of you know a, a central part to the book. But what I was struck by as we were reading, and what was so fascinating to me, was this red tent space um, inside this nomadic. Uh, community where women came once they started menstruation, you could come into that tent. Uh, and for the rest of your life, this was the place where women gathered. And it was so it was the place where they came when they had their periods. It was the place where they came to give birth. It was the place that they came when they died. And the conversations that happened that were, you know, described in the book inside this red tent were so fascinating to me. And I found myself thinking, where do we do that Mm -hmm. today? Where do we do that today? And about that same time, the, uh, the, the guys that were in this young adult group were doing no shave November. Right. (laughs) And so the girls were, you know, as girls, as women do, you know, what do we have? We don't, you know, like, I don't know. I know there are women who don't shave, but like, that is not appealing to me. (laughs) So it's not really what I wanted. But again, like this fuel inside of me of, because there was this camaraderie amongst the men as they were doing this. Mm. And where, like, what did that look like for us as women? And at the time, there there were just a couple of places in my life where women were gathering. One was women's ministry at church, and um, uh, and that was that was fine. <laughs> Go ahead, you can feel me, pause. I the the things that that sort of defined what that looked like were not appealing to me. Mm-hmm. Um. For multiple reasons. And and honestly, Beth, like some of it even out of what's broken inside of me. And that place where it's like, I don't know if I belong at the table. Well, I really felt like I didn't belong at those tables. Right. With the, the things that I would hear the women were discussing. It's like, mm, I just, no, that's not where I want to be or what I want to be giving my time to. The other thing my friends or, you know, other women were doing is playing Bunko. And I hate games. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a, I'm a game hater. So, um, and also, you know, probably part of what's broken inside of me. I don't want to play if I can't win. So <laughs> it's my Enneagram eight. Anyhow, so, so I'm just thinking like, wow, what, what do we, what, what would this look like? So um, I was reading Dan Allender's book, To Be Told, mm-hmm. also at the time. That's one of the things that I do. I'm usually reading like three or four books at one time. Right. And he, there was this chapter towards the end that described this woman um, having what she called a story feast around her table. And so she invited a bunch of her friends to come and to write out a story from their life, and they're going to share it at the table. I loved that idea. So I decided maybe these things could sort of come together. Mm-hmm. And what would it look like to, like, once a month have a dinner, invite some women in my life to come? And what if we, everybody shared something meaningful out of their life? And in addition to that, what if it wasn't mostly, it's, this is, so it's not a Bible study. This isn't just for Christian women. This is just for women. So I could invite women that I know that I, that don't want to come to church, that I wouldn't invite to church, that maybe I would like to um, have a space to get to know them and for them to get to know me. And maybe out of that, I I might have the opportunity to talk about Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, So as I thought about what the space would look like, um, I thought, you know, we'd need something to get the conversation started. So anyways, I invited 12 of my friends because that's such a biblical number. Right. (laughs) Right, It had to be holy Um, from the get go. It had to be holy, right? Because I'm, I'm very churchy like that. And they all said, yes, they all said, yes. All these women said, yes. So around my table, I, you know, my table is like fully extended Mm -hmm. and I've invited these women and it was so fascinating because some of them didn't know each other at all. Some of them knew who one another was and had made 
had judgments mm. based on what they knew the other one was involved with or maybe what they did. So there was a doctor at the table. There was a, uh, a retail manager at the table. There were some uh, women that were involved in what I would call like sexual abuse recovery ministry at the table. There were women that were leading discipleship groups at my church. So, I mean, this was just a broad spectrum of women, all with the age range, right? So from their uh, women in their 30s, all the way up to women in their uh, late 60s. Wow. And I got so many calls, like nervous calls from these women. What's going to happen? Wow. What's going to happen? What, what, what I, you know, and they were was just so fascinating. Wow. So they all came. They wanted the risk. They right? They said yes. They knew yes. they wanted yep, it. They said but yes. there was so much trepidation mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. Fascinating. Yes. Yes. So I told everybody to bring something. So, you know, we all shared in what happened in the meal and we sat down at the table and I said, so I'm going to, I've had this basket filled with all these random items that I'd gathered from around the house. Um, So like there was a spool of thread and a tape measure and a pen and uh, some tape and a marble and some nail polish, just, you know, crazy things Mm -hmm. that I put in this basket and I passed it around and I said, you know, pick something out of the basket and tell us a story out of your life. Mm. It can be anything. And, um, and then I said, and what, what we're going to do, whatever the stories are, we're going to treat them like they're a gift. And meaning we don't ask more questions. We don't offer advice. We are just, the, we're, we're, we're here to connect with one another and to get to know one another a little bit better and to be grateful for the vulnerability that one another is willing to share around the table. Mm. And even that, I mean, so I can't ask any questions. I mean, it was just so fascinating, <laughs> right? That, that, what are the rules? Yeah. What are the rules for the table? So we all went around and the women all shared something. It was lovely. We were there for three and a half hours. Wow. Wow. Sitting at my dining room table. And there were funny stories. There were tender stories. Um, I think we were all at one moment or another surprised by what we were hearing. Mm. And at the end of it, I said, so would you guys want to do this again? And without hesitation, they were all, yes, absolutely. I want to do this again. So I didn't, I wasn't sure they'd want to do that. So I really hadn't planned ahead. (laughs) So um, I had a vase with a bunch of roses sitting in it um, in my living room. And I said, okay, well, grab a rose on your way out and that'll be our prompt for next month. And I'll email you all about the, you know we can pass around an email about who's going to bring what. And they left. And a month later we came back together and we sat around the table and everybody told a story about what the Rose had prompted in their life. And that, that was the beginning Mm -hmm. of what would become red tent dinners. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so slowly those grew. That first group of women helped me, learn we learned together that uh you can't really probably six around the table maybe eight is the most you can have because otherwise you're there for four hours right Um, we learned that it was really important that everybody contributes like food Mm. and part of their story we decided that nine months was how long we would do it because it takes nine months to birth something Mm -mm. And at the end of nine months, it's not that you can't do it again, but it's a natural ending point Mm. where you just kind of look back and go, wow, look at what we birthed together around this table. Wow. And then some women went on to lead their own. I mean, you know, so I could talk about that for a long time, things that came off of that. And it was beautiful. And we began, then the same young woman that had Libby Kurtz that had asked me to read the book, she sat with me and my daughter, Katie, was involved a little bit too. And we started coming up with themes for these dinners that we could then disperse and kind of send out to people. And um, it was very word of mouth. Mm -hmm. And about five years into that, we were, Katie and Libby and I sitting on Libby's back porch about five years ago, 
and we were talking about red tent dinners and uh, what we had watched happen. And uh, Libby said, you know, I just think it would be so cool if there was some kind of a online space where women could come together and sort of share about the dinner. No, they're, they're part of something bigger. And we tossed that around a little bit and, and sort of teased it out, right? Like what exactly would that look mm -hmm. like? And what would that include? And the more they talked, uh, and I listened <clears throat> because both of them are highly creative, more creative than I am. <laughs> I, I looked back at one point and I said, you guys are describing an online magazine and it, it feels like Southern living. So it's like red tent living. Mm. And we all sort of laughed. <laughs> Katie goes, oh, mom, that's, that's it. And, and Libby pulled her laptop out and she said, let's, let's buy it right now. Oh I'm going to buy it right now. Get my credit card. I love it. And that, and it happened. I that mean, was it. Libby bought the website. Yeah. We loaded it up because, you know, you can do that now <laughs> and created Red Tent Living and continued then to discuss, okay, um, we need some regular contributors. Like, how would we find those? And we, and wanted to sort of replicate what had happened at my table that night 10 years mm. ago. And so we wanted women that lived in different time zones across the United States. We wanted women of different ages. We wanted women uh, living in different contexts. So single, married, grandparents, uh you know, college student, whatever it was, but we just knew we, we wanted something that sort of stretched across um, a broad spectrum. And so I reached out to some women that um, I knew and asked if they might be interested. And we ended up with our first contributors. So at that point in time, I had no vision I had no idea where it was going to go. Honestly, I had no idea where it was going to go. It just felt like this could be a really fun thing to do. And maybe it would be a place where, you know, women who were doing dinners would come. And so it's been very, very organic. Mm -hmm. We've never had like a marketing plan or nothing like that. <laughs> um, but you've had a trend, it, it sounds like, of women saying yes, yeah. right? But Yes. Women, saying, Women yes. saying yes. Yes. Yeah. And, um, and the idea growing that we would welcome women's stories. So five years ago, um, there was a few of us that started a website and today it's read in 170 countries, I think at last count. And, um, we've had almost half a million views, maybe more than that. I lose track on all the numbers. And many, many women that have sent us their stories, um, most of them from the United States and, and a few from other parts of the world. Mm. Uh, and it, and again, just this organic growth of women. And we're, we have a unique sort of niche in that we're telling real stories out of our mm -hmm. lives. That's the mm -hmm. point. And, and then we respond to one another. So the comments that you'll see when you look on a post from Red Tent Living are very connected, grateful, um, lovely mm -hmm. women. Affirming. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Whatever the story yeah. is. And this year, you, it seems is. like you've uh, intentionally tried to broaden the voice of contributors and brought in more diversity, um, particularly right. racial and ethnic diversity, which is yeah, beautiful. That was a growing place too. I mean, recognizing it was a, a few, a few years ago, I guess two years ago that I, uh, looked at both our readers and our writers and had to ask the question, we're all white. Why is that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that began the journey of recognizing my own responsibility and uh, con contribution to the fact that we were not 
women of color were not part of our community in noticeable ways. And I had helped to author that mm. and that needed to stop. Mm. Yeah. Um, so again, like that we could talk right, about that. Right. For a that long could time, be a whole nother tangent. That's a whole nother tangent, but I will just, I will say now I am profoundly grateful for what, what that has, uh, unfolded inside of me. I am profoundly grateful for the generosity of um, some really beautiful, strong, fierce, lovely women of color that have joined mm-hmm. us. Yeah. Um, and hopeful that that the table can continue to grow in those mm-hmm. ways. Right. So out of, so we have Red Tent Dinners that births Red Tent Living online magazine space, yeah. which full disclosure, I'm yeah. one of the regular contributors um, for. And then out of that is birthed Brave On Conference. So tell us, tell us yeah. a little bit about um, the decision to actually create a live event space such as Brave On. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, Brave On uh, started as a conversation between my daughter Katie and me and really started as sort of a let's do a writer's conference because we're doing this writing and it seems like we're getting women who want to write. So, okay, let's do a writer's conference. What would that look like? How do we honor Red Tent Living in that? Everybody's included, but we wouldn't want it to be just about writing, right? And so we just were, were tossing that around between the two of us, talking it back and forth, kind of floating it out to some of the other women who were writing for Red Tent Living. Would they come? What would they think? And um, Katie came back and said, so I think we need to get you know, a really fierce woman who writes but also speaks to um, be our first um headlining speaker or whatever. And she decided she wanted Sarah Bessie. And I was like, all right, I love that. That sounds great. Um, that sounds great. Let's get Sarah Bessie. And so I started reading some of Sarah Bessie's stuff. And again, like it's still just an Mm -hmm. idea. Right. And, um, and we did decide like to get Sarah Bessie, we had to pick a date that this is actually going to happen. So So now you're being pulled into this is a reality. This is a reality. This is happening. I have no money for this, but it is happening. And, um, and Katie is so, she's just such a great gift to me in, in, in that. And she's got this, she's got the creativity and I have this part of me that's like, oh yeah, we just risk it. Like, let's just do it. Make it happen. So she's far more careful and a little more risk averse than I am. <laughs> so we make a good, we're, we're a good team in this kind of space. And I remember with someone we were like, well, what are we going to call it? Because we, we really decided if we called it the Red Tent Writers Conference, only women that were writing would come. And that was part of the feedback we had gotten. And so what are we going to call this? And I remember so clearly how this all went down. I, uh, I had pulled into my house. It was late. Um, and I was working at the time I was, uh, working for a nonprofit. And so I had, I had been at work. It had been a long day. I pulling up to my driveway. I open my mailbox, grab all the mail that's in my mailbox, you know, drive in and, um, walk into the house and the, the little girls are, you know, wanting to know about macaroni and cheese. (laughs) And my husband is wanting to know like, what are we eating for dinner? And my phone is ringing and it's Katie. And, um, and so I just looked at all of them. I'm like, I, I'm going to take this call from Katie because I think she'd called twice already that day. I'm going to change my clothes and then we're going to decide what we're doing about all of this. About feeding you. So, (laughs) About feeding me, right, about feeding all of them. And so I'm walking into my closet. I'm talking to Katie. She says, I think the name of the conference should be Brave On. And so I'm a big multitasker. So I'm listening to Katie, and I'm also opening this package from my friend Ellen, who is also one of the Red Tent writers, and whose voice in my life is prophetic. Mm. Ellen 
when Ellen speaks, I mm-hmm. listen because I have just come to understand that part of one of God's gifts to me is yeah. Ellen and he speaks to me mm-hmm. through her. So I'm opening this package from Ellen while I'm talking to Katie and Katie's like, I think the conference is brave on. And she's kind of talking. I said, gosh, that makes me think about, you know, that Nicole Nordeman song brave. And, uh, and so then I'm remembering the first time Katie did something really big, really, really big and big for me. Uh, it was the same year that Nicole re- released that mm-hmm. song. And um, and the song, you know, talks about that the status quo isn't going to work anymore. And, um, and one of the lines is, you make me want to mm-hmm. be brave. And at the time, Katie was doing something. She was 15 and she was flying to Washington, D.C. to take part in this presidential classroom. And it was one of those stunned moments of mothering right. for me. Or my daughter is braver mm. at her age than I, I couldn't have imagined doing that. Mm. Right. Right. So Katie and I are having this conversation. Meanwhile, I'm opening this package from Ellen. Out drops this uh, T-shirt with this note from her. Went to this Nicole Norman <gasps> concert this week. And God told me to buy this T-shirt for you. I open it up and it says brave across the front of the T-shirt. Uh, I have goosebumps. I know, right? I'm almost crying. I'm like, Katie, the name of the conference is Brave On. Like, and we have to get Nicole Norman there. And I have to there. go now. Yes, I said that. And I said, and I have to go because dad's hungry and the girls want mac Right, and because it's real and life and you're in your closet. Because and you, it's yeah. real life. Yes, and I'm in my closet and we've made a decision. I love it. So it was after that that, um, that the the tagline underneath brave on embrace the beauty of breaking together came Mm -hmm. that came. It was a group effort. Again, I just like collect women and say like, you know, you want to come do this with me? And we say, yes, (laughs) women say yes. And they say yes, they do. So I had collected some women. Do you want (laughs) to come do this with me? And, um, and we sat around in a room, um, and had these, like the, uh, those big sticky, like giant post-it note things. And, um, we had actually been watching, um, a simulcast of the Beyond Tour, which is something that Nicole Nordeman and Jen Hatmaker and Shauna Nyquist did with some other women, Patsy Claremont. So, I had really liked a lot of what I had seen. I had gone to that. And so I signed up to simulcast it. I invited these women. I said, this is, I loved how this felt. I think there's some things that are part of this that we might want to have be part of what we're doing. Let's watch it together and then discuss it and then figure out who we are and what we're doing. Cause I just feel like people do better when they have something. Right. A reference. Yeah. You know? A reference point. So we had watched that. We had these giant poster sticky notes all over my my uh, living room. Have taken my paintings down and stuff. And Katie's standing at you know at each of them with colored markers. Every marker means something. <laughs> I don't know. It's part of her creative brain. And we just started talking. What do we think it means to be brave? Hmm. What is bravery? What is bravery for women? What do we individually think is is brave. And, and so again, in this really organic way, the words start flowing and coming. And before we're done as a group of women sitting in this room, we've decided that, uh, to brave on is about beauty and brokenness and togetherness. Mm. Mm. And so there it is. Embrace the beauty of breaking together. And, um, and what flowed out of that was this day, this beautiful day. And, uh, and we began to think about the speakers who would come and, and what are all the parts of our life where we have to be brave? What does it look like to be brave? What does it look like to be brave with God and embrace my brokenness with him? What does it look like to be brave with myself? Mm-hmm. and embrace my mm-hmm. own brokenness. And what is it, you know, what does it look like to be brave with others and, and embrace that with others? So 
that that's like a you can spend a lot of time in those three mm-hmm. places mm-hmm. right thinking about what that looks like and what that means and and all the implications of that for us um yeah so that's how our first day came the story of getting nicole nordeman there is a whole nother <laughs> one and it's part of something broken mm-hmm. also Right. Because I reached out to Nicole, like, could she come? And you reach out to Nicole's people, you know, there's there's people. people. And so there's people. And what I got back was, um, it looked like it was going to happen. I, and so I was starting, wow, like this could really happen. And then what I got back was, you know, it can't happen because she's part of the belong tour. And we were waiting to see when the dates for the belong tour would be, it'd be their second year. And they released the dates and it fell right over the top of Brave On. And I was right. so bummed because I was so sure she was right. supposed to be there. I had that yes. whole closet yes. moment, right? Like, And God told clearly, Ellen, get you know, the shirt. God told <laughs> Ellen, exactly. And so this cannot be wrong. And um, so I was bummed, but, you know, okay. And and we in the end, we decided not to get another musical artist because I just couldn't mm. do it. I just couldn't <laughs> do it. I just, it, it just, I'm like, it's Nicole or nothing. And not exactly that, but I didn't have that same sense of, and no, neither did anybody else. We didn't have anybody else. So um, that was like in January, I think, February anyway. So we march forward, march forward. It's July. I'm sitting on my back patio um, enjoying, you know, a, 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 glass of wine with my husband and actually a friend of ours is there. And, um, I had my phone out there because I don't remember why somebody was somewhere. One of my kids was somewhere. So I usually keep my phone nearby and I got this notification. Um, I think it was on Instagram or Twitter, right. you know, because like, yes. like it is. And so I looked at it and it was, uh, actually Jen Hatmaker had um, posted something about her deep disappointment at the cancellation of the belong tour. <laughs> so terrible. I sound, I sound like a terrible person right now. Right. I, my first thought was, Oh my gosh, Nicole's available. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super sad about belong. Like not go really. I mean, really, I'm very sad, but I'm pretty distracted right. by what this means to me, right? And so I I reached back out. I I recontacted Nicole's people and said, like right there. Right, you're gonna be the first to claim that date. Oh please, you better know. Like I am on it. And um that was Saturday and Monday. I had a response back. Absolutely. Nicole would be very interested, you know, and within 48 hours, we'd sort of worked through what it would mean. And again, we didn't have the money, but I didn't care. <laughs> I'm like, we'll figure it out. I don't know. She's supposed to come. We'll figure it out. And, um, and oh, by the way, Nicole's going to be in Austin this weekend which is where I live. And so four days later, I got to meet up with Nicole at a church 10 minutes from my house here. Wow. I, like, no, you can't make no. that up. And did you tell her the story at that point? Yeah. Oh, please. Yeah. I told her the whole story. I'm like such a fan girl. <laughs> it's so, I, I just, I, I can't. I have absolutely no chill. None. None. I was thinking about that this week because I'm going to see her on Saturday night. Um, she's doing a private uh, private concert um, at a friend of mine's house to um, help raise some money for Red Tent Living and for Brave On. And I was thinking, uh, you know, I, I still have no chill. Like, none. None. I'm like, this is like an even smaller group. And I, I mean, she's been very warm and welcoming of me. And so, you know, I, I can contact her. I don't have to go through her manager anymore. And I still, I like, yeah, but it's still exciting. But here's the fun thing is you've discovered with, and with Jen as well, because this year, fast forward, it's happening again, second annual and Nicole's coming back and now you've got Jen Hatmaker. And I know there's a ton of funny stories around your interactions with her as well. 
Because the fun thing is that they're just people, I think, is what you discovered. They're just people who shop, which is where you ran into Jen, right, at a store for the first time. And people who, yeah, uh, yeah, Yeah. don't always need their people. Yeah, ran into Jen at a store, right? And... Um, and now have this whole relationship with the store. And I was actually at Evereve when I ran into Jen and the founder of Evereve, Megan Tampty, is going to be at Brave On. Right. Because you collect people. Um, <laughs> and they say yes to I you. <laughs> and they say yes to me. It's true. It's <laughs> so funny. Oh, it's Tracy, so funny. I love, I love all yeah, that. I so, love hearing the story of just really the norm normalcy of all of that right like you're not you haven't created something out of a fancy office with a whole team of you know paid staff no. who know how to talk to no. people who have people <laughs> yeah no it's totally out of my like you know really simple i don't i don't know like you just email people and ask them yeah right you just email them, which is what which is what I've done, and felt super silly. Which like is something I don't. You heard me earlier. I don't play games. I don't like to do things where I can't win. <laughs> and uh it's it's broken. It's not. It's not. But you say that. Okay, you say that <laughs> in the image that you know someone might have then of you with you know, people say yes to you and you collect people and you don't like to do things you can't win at would be this kind of strong and fierce person that is almost intimidating or too aggressive. And that's not who you are. Because if I can just kind of wrap this up with the theme of the podcast, because you figured out a way to embrace the lovely as well. And the manner in which you are asking is more invitational. And the manner in which you're collecting people is this attractiveness that there's something about you. People know, you know, there's something in her I want to be around. And that's a reflection of Christ. It's so beautiful, Tracy. Yeah, I, I would say that today. And, and I, you're, that is true. You know, in the way that you described me, when I look at fierce and lovely, when you sent, when I got your email, I just laughed out loud. I'm like, that's perfect. Mm. That's perfect. I have no problem being fierce. Mm-hmm. And I would say in most of my life, uh, fierce and, and those words that don't necessarily uh, follow the definition, right. As you've described it of joining God to come against evil, but, but where I was intimidating and strong and sort of lived in this overcompensating manner um, that was, was absent of loveliness. And I can remember, I, I, have, I, I have one of the very first things that I journaled about. I, we were asked to describe in a small group that I was in when I was starting to look at my own story. Uh, something that we longed for that felt very scary to put into words. And what I wrote about was that I longed to be Mm. seen as a lovely Mm. woman. And that that felt, that I felt like an imposter in that. I couldn't imagine anyone describing me as lovely. Mm. Um, And and so it, it has very much been been part of my own um, deepening experience with with Jesus and who He really is in the places and parts of my own life and my own experiences that. I wanted to run from or that I wanted to hide the, those worst moments, the ones you think you can't tell anyone about the really disappointing places um, that don't seem to follow sort of the beautiful uh, testimonial narrative arc of Christianity or whatever. Um, My, my loveliness has grown and come come to be 
from having walked in mm-hmm. those places. And that, that was so counterintuitive mm-hmm. to me. So counterintuitive to me. And that is the breaking, the embracing of the breaking, right? Mm-hmm. The embracing of that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even back to your definition, joining with him to create life and beauty. I can't do that outwardly if I haven't done that with him inwardly. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So I can't be creating life and beauty Truly, I might be able to approximate it for others or in other parts of my life. But if I don't believe that I can join Jesus to create life and beauty in places inside of me and inside of my story that have felt like death and uh, violence, ugly, you know, um, destruction. Mm hmm then, then, you know, I, I have no other path but to fake it. <laughs> right. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and I think for me, I, you know, I didn't even try hmm. to fake it. I think I just had resigned myself. Like that is not who I am. Those are not the words that will ever belong to me. Like, so, you know, the goodness that I have to bring the world is mostly mm-hmm. that I'm strong. And right. I'm made to do hard things. Right. Well, Tracy, I'm so thankful that you came through that and journeyed through it and that God has knit in you the both and, right? Because of what you're offering to all of us. So uh, for sake of time, I'm going to wrap our conversation up, even though we could go on and on and on and really direct people in the show notes, of course, to Red Tent Living and Brave On Conference um, and the Red Tent Dinners and, you know, just encourage women to pursue embracing um, the beauty of brokenness with others. Uh, Yeah. Thanks for being such an incredible model, Tracy, of of the both and and of being fierce and lovely. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Sweet listeners. Thanks for sticking around for a longer than usual interview. Tracy is a sage in my life, as you might imagine. I'm headed to Austin this week to join Red Tent Living Sisters and speak at Brave On. You can find links to all that we discussed in the show notes. Thanks for listening. I'm Beth Bruno, and I'll see you next week.